Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Spiritually Curious and I am your host, colleague Thomas. Today we'll be talking about the satisfaction of God, the emotional well-being of God. Does it take good deeds to make God satisfied and is that even necessary? Do good deeds equal good circumstances in life and do performing deeds that are not acceptable by God equal unfavorable circumstances in life? You know, religion gives us the idea that God can experience a full range of emotions. God becomes joyful due to the good deeds of mankind that bring God satisfaction. Religion also tells us that God becomes dissatisfied due to our actions God does not approve of. Good deeds not only satisfy God, but they also give blessings to those that commit them while Inappropriate deeds, those that are unpleasing to God, keep us away from blessings. But is this true? Is God watching over us, taking count of all our deeds, our daily activities and categorizing them as either satisfactory or inadequate? Does God bless some and keep blessings from others based on their willingness to do good deeds that are satisfying to God? Is it the duty of mankind to fulfill God's requirement of divine satisfaction in order to ensure favorable circumstances in our personal lives and in the world as a whole, throughout all all humanity, for everyone? Is it even possible for us to cause God to be disappointed Is it possible to cause God to be unsatisfied or is it possible to cause God to be joyful? This is what we're going to discuss. I think this is the wrong way to think about God. What does it mean for God to be in a state of joy due to the good deeds of mankind? What does that mean? What does it mean for God to be in a state of unpleasantness? due to the sins of mankind? Well, it means the possibility for God's divine state of pleasure, satisfaction, fulfillment, or the absence of any of these states can be given to or withheld from God arbitrarily according to the activities of man. This idea suggests that God is not in control of God's own emotional state, seeing that God can be carried away by a multitude of emotional possibilities as God observes, interprets, and responds to human activity in the world. But where did this idea come from that one must satisfy God through good acts in order to be blessed by God? Well, ancient religious practices believe that appeasing the gods was necessary in order to receive what you needed. A blessing from the gods was based on the quality of your service to the gods. If you wanted a change in your circumstances, um, if you want a protection from your enemies, 
uh, love, good conditions for your crops, the continuance of favorable circumstances, all that required the satisfaction of the gods. If the gods were unhappy, you would be unhappy. Your life would be full of unfavorable circumstances. But if the gods were taken care of and made to be satisfied by the worshiper, then things would be good for you and your life would be full of favorable circumstances. This is what the belief was. But similar to these ancient religious practices that focused on the satisfaction of the gods in order to get what you wanted, modern religious understanding holds the belief that God's continued state of pleasure and satisfaction is mankind's responsibility to uphold. We have commandments, rules, doctrines, traditions, and religious practices that inform us on what it takes to satisfy God through acts of religious service and the activity of living a God-honoring life. We are told if God is pleased with us, we will, for the most part, encounter pleasant life experiences and a greater quality of life. However, if God is disappointed, unpleased, dissatisfied, or angry with us, it is due to the unsatisfactory unpleasant and disappointing manner in which we live our lives. And for the most part, this is the reason why we encounter unfavorable circumstances and a lower quality of life. It is said that the anger or the wrath of God occurs when fulfilling human lust becomes more important than cultivating the satisfaction of God. God's blessings and good fortune are reserved for those that are dedicated to the upkeep of God's divine satisfaction rather than those that are indifferent to God's satisfaction. So we have come to understand the one that satisfies God at a particular time is the one that is blessed at a particular time. The one God is unhappy with at a particular time is understood to be the one that is more likely to encounter misfortunes at a particular time in their lives due to the neglected maintenance of God's satisfaction, God's emotional well-being. It is said that the prescription to a good life is to be faithful to God and you will be blessed. Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Does that everyone literally mean everyone or just the faithful? Can Satan ask and receive from God search and find or knocking God open the door? I would say no, because these circumstances are reserved for those dedicated to the honor and glorification of God. Those that love God and work to maintain in God a state of holy satisfaction. The belief is that God blesses, protects, leads and flourishes those invested in the emotional well-being of God. Therefore, in an attempt to satisfy God and experience the best 
God has to offer. Religion instructs us to live a life that brings God satisfaction. We are to think and live in such a way that what we do fulfills a need of God's, which is the peace, love and progression of the human race. Good deeds being committed, people loving and helping each other. This is what God needs. Our contribution to achieving that goal determines our reward, both on earth and in the afterlife. When we do this, we will search and find, ask and receive and knock. So doors of opportunity will be open. This is the exchange. The problem with this way of thinking occurs when those that do not have the slightest interest in satisfying God still prosper. Instead of investing in the emotional well-being of God, they invest in the satisfaction of themselves. They don't follow a religious code of conduct that demands a life pleasing and acceptable to God. They live a life that is focused on self-glorification disregarding God's need for pleasing deeds. They don't see the need of asking, seeking, or knocking when they can simply take what they want. How do they have what others that live to ensure the joy of God lack? Now, you can share religious platitudes in response to this question and say that The treasures of heaven are greater than the treasures of earth, but it's not a matter of greater or lesser treasures. The issue here is that the one dedicated to the emotional well-being of God by committing good deeds that are said to be delightful to God is not promised what they seek. And the knocking does not always equate to an answered door. So those working to give God what religion instructs them that this is what God wants. Give exactly that and many times lack the resources that the non-religious have in abundance. What's the problem here? If they give what is explicitly told to them by religion, what God needs, what God wants, what God desires, why do they not receive in order to do the work of God that will ensure the continued satisfaction of God. The problem here is simple. God again is misunderstood. The big question is what does God lack or need that we can give? If God is the almighty, all in all, what is there that such a being is lacking all that exists, including the full satisfaction, the ultimate joy, the maximum pleasure that can be manifested from all the praise, worship, and personal sacrifice of humanity and beyond is already possessed by God 10 times over. There is no need, lack, or necessary requirement that one can offer God that will fulfill God. God lacks absolutely nothing. God is a giver, not one in need. 
Instead of working to maintain a life that is fixated on maintaining the emotional well-being of God, the satisfaction of God, more attention should be given to the practice of receiving from God. God gives life, opportunities, circumstances, time, knowledge, and spiritual awareness and experiences. Every moment God gives is filled with all these possibilities and a multitude of forms and expressions. Our task is to respond in a manner that is appropriate to who we are now, which will energize who and what we are becoming. The favorable and unfavorable experiences of life are not based on God's satisfaction or disapproval of you. They are based on the quality of your handling of life. Opportunities, circumstances, time, knowledge, and spiritual awareness and experiences that you encounter. The favorable activity of God in our lives does not demand the exchange of our maintenance of God's satisfaction for divine favor. God acts in a manner that is free from the influences of human activity and persuasion, religious preference, and suggested emotional states of God. How can God be all wise if God is influenced to decide based on anything other than divine wisdom? To remain distinctly different from creation, God must act in a manner that is free from the influence of human beings as we participate in the overall greater creation, the universe. Can God continue to be recognized as wise and powerful if God can be persuaded to action or inaction based on the quality of human conduct in the world? If the quality of life of individuals and humanity as a whole is appointed to each based on the degree of satisfaction God finds in their offerings, God becomes one that can be persuaded influenced, manipulated, and therefore untrustworthy. If we have the ability to stir up satisfaction or dissatisfaction in God through our actions, this means we can create in God specific emotional states. It means we make God upset. We make God unpleased. We make God dissatisfied. We make God angry. If we say God is made to be angry, disappointed, dissatisfied, or even uh, made to be joyful, fulfilled, or satisfied by mankind's actions or refusal to act, then we have just made God subject to the power of mankind. It means that God's divine state of pleasure, satisfaction, fulfillment, or the absence of any of these states can be given to or withheld from God arbitrarily according to the decision of man to commit good deeds or not. Think about that. This idea suggests that God is not in control of God's own emotional state, 
seeing that God can be carried away by a multitude of emotional possibilities. As God observes, interprets, and responds to human activity in the world. This thinking also does not allow God to exist in a state of uninterrupted joy because that emotional state is in jeopardy of being disturbed by the actions of humans, tossing God into a state of unwanted dissatisfaction. Is God emotionally unstable? And if so, is it because of us? Should we believe the emotional state of God is directly connected to the actions of human beings? Do we have the power or the authority to either bless or deny God of a positive emotional state? Can we give or take that from God? Does God have needs that are the responsibility of mankind to fulfill? If we say yes, we are suggesting God has carnal desires and earthly needs that when not met, there is a problem. And God literally raises hell until God get what God wants. Is God's state of satisfaction ours to maintain, to nurture, and to guarantee? If we say yes to that, does that not suggest that we bring a degree of goodness to God that would not be there otherwise? The problem with this thinking is that it gives us the exclusive power to manipulate God's will. God can't act freely if God is influenced and led astray by outside powers and forces. There can be no power, no matter how small or great, that can cause God to act in a manner that is different than the manner in which God intends to act. If God is joyful, nothing should be able to mutate that joy. If God is satisfied, nothing should be able to mutate that satisfaction. God's joy knows no sadness. God's satisfaction is unaware of anger. God's approval is absent of any disappointment. If we believe that man has the ability to make God joyful or satisfied and is our duty to do such, this thinking suggests that God engages in an unhealthy relationship with mankind where the circumstances for God's joy and satisfaction are unable to be met on a consistent basis, resulting in God being on an emotional roller coaster, going from pleased to angry to delighted to dissatisfied uncontrollably based on our random actions. If we make God one that is emotionally sensitive to the activities of mankind and moving in and out of different emotional states, becoming dissatisfied, angry, or even joyful at any given time, can we say that God even knows man? This thinking suggests God does not know and is not only unfamiliar with man's character, but also delusional to the truth of what mankind is, what we can be, what we will be, and what we will never be. If God is unable to predict the actions of men and therefore unable to self-regulate God's emotional state, God can't be called all-knowing or all-wise and powerful. 
Why would God even create such a being that had the ability to operate in such a way that it caused godly confusion, frustration, surprise, anger, and a loss of satisfaction and joy? This thinking cannot be right. God acts freely in the lives of mankind according to and by means that exist outside of creation and therefore requires no prerequisite for the execution of godly acts. God doesn't need us in order to be satisfied. God doesn't need us in order to be joyful. The goodness we experience in life is based on the goodness available to us in life. That goodness is uniquely created for us and made available as we respond to life and the opportunities to discover God, self, and enlightenment. God acts independent of human activity and is at no time searching for one of us to fulfill a divine need for satisfaction or fill the position of steward of God's emotional well-being. This understanding is not to advocate uh, for an end uh, to religion, but to but to rather permit religion to be practiced free from the pressure of the worshiper to maintain God's satisfaction. This, I believe, will empower a religious practice by stripping it of the expectations, either earthly or heavenly. The religious practice then becomes a tool for the recognition, communication and glorification of God and not one that could be used to persuade God in a particular direction, either earthly or heavenly. God's emotional well-being is not in our hands. God does not need your dedication to a divine satisfaction because God is not absent of satisfaction. God's wholeness is of such a degree that whatever can be offered by mankind in uniqueness, multitude, or excellence offers nothing fresh to the divine repertoire. To say that God is pleased with a human action and rewards those that fulfill the divine need to be satisfied leaves room for a God that can be manipulated and therefore untrustworthy. God moves as God moves. We are the ones that can join the wave or allow it to pass us by. God is always active, continuing without interruption from any form of emotional sabotage by mankind. The condition of our lives is not based on our skill level in satisfying God. If it were, the playing field would be uneven with some people being naturally better at it and benefiting while others suffer greatly, even while giving it their level's best. God's joy can't be mutated by our actions. We have no power to cause dissatisfaction to be manifested in a joyful God. Instead of looking to what we can give God to be blessed, let's observe what God is giving us so we can be blessed. Give attention to the experiences life brings your way, how God is communicating with you, the manner in which God is relating to you, 
and the direction God is taking you in. Give your time and energy to following the leading of God, not in an effort to satisfy God, but as a form of glorification, gratitude, leading to a deeper discovery of God, self, and enlightenment.